Hey y'all, I'm Kua. And this is Kendra. And this is the Black Gems Dive In Podcast. Podcast about inclusive cultures and everything DEI. So we are back, Black Gems Diving for season four, episode one. It's so great to be back in the studio. And it's crazy that we're on season four, but I'm also so honored and blessed that we can continue to have great conversations with community leaders, having just great conversation around um, issues, challenges, but also to opportunities for not only our city, but also to our, um, our, our country at large. So it's really great to be back. Um, as you guys can see, I'm here by myself, not having my partner in crime, um, a cool men's adu. Um, but she is also here in spirit, as we always say. And of course, we talk about um, all the amazing things that are going to be happening throughout this season. So we are kicking off our season again, episode one, season four, with the chief diversity officer for the city of Buffalo, Chantel Thompson. Thank so you. thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. Yes. So we will have some great conversation just about your role as, as a as a whole. Um, you know, what brought you to this role? What excites you? Some of the challenges and opportunities. And then we'll always end with our gem of the day. So we'll just have a great conversation here today. I'm looking forward to it. All right. So as we always say, we'll dive right in. Uh, so Byron Brown was quoted saying that you have... Um, ex experience and expertise to lead the city's diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. So tell us about your professional journey, what led you here, and um, some of the career opportunities that, that led you into the position that you are today. Yeah, so it's, I think it's a longer story that goes well beyond yeah. my professional career. Um, being a daughter of the city of Buffalo, Buffalo born and raised, uh, I attended Kenesha's College for my undergraduate career. And I started out in that program as a management and marketing major, and I had all these intentions on uh, focusing on fashion merchandising and I was going to move to New York City and like do all these things in the, the fashion industry. And during my freshman year, um, I took a trip to Accra, Ghana, um, and Ivory Coast and it completely changed my life. And while I was there, um, I'm like, well, I need to choose a different major and do something that has more impact. And so the following year, I changed my major to psychology and I, I focused in child family community studies. Um, and throughout undergrad and post-undergrad, all of my, my internships and smaller jobs are really in service to underrepresented and marginalized groups. Um, and so throughout my career, having worked in human services and mental health and education and all the things, uh, it led to my previous role as Chief Equity and Inclusion Officer for Child and Family Services. Um, I took a pivot mid-COVID and took on that role and really had the opportunity to lay the foundation there um, and because of the work that I was doing mm -hmm. at Child and Family and a few smaller projects throughout the city, um, I was approached by the city to uh, be the, the third chief diversity officer. So yes. here I am. Awesome. And I also believe that, you know, people always say that um, you never know who may be looking at you and um, may put you into places to elevate you as well as um, just have your career just be a place where you can thrive and also to a place where you can feel like you're being yourself, right? Absolutely. Um, and I know we've had conversations before, and you, when you started, it came off of the heels of 514. Right? Yes. Tell us about that and how you felt going into that role when you first started. Well, 
my official start date uh, in this position was on Monday, May yeah. 16th. And so 514 was supposed to be a day that was celebratory. I was getting dressed to go to ECMC's annual gala. We waited two years to be able to, to, to go to this gala. That's such a great time. Um, and so we were getting dressed, and it was like excitement time. Um, and then we got to the gala, and it was canceled, and we're like, what's going on we didn't we had no idea we didn't realize the the impact that had just taken place we heard about the shooting but we didn't realize that it was as big as it was um and in a, a matter of moments what was a celebratory weekend changed to oh my goodness what did I just get myself into um as the news began to unfold we all kind of watched it unfold as the details came through on the cause of the shooting and things of that nature um it hit me like a ton of bricks because this was the one of the largest, if not the largest or most significant racially impactful uh, incidents in our city's history. And here I am entering in on Monday um, to lead diversity efforts. Uh, all kind of things went through my mind. Yeah. Um, everything from do I call my old job and <laughs> head back? Um and then, you know, just you, I went through all of the emotions from every emotion that you could imagine. But fortunately, you know, we, we keep good supports around us. And I had all of the folks calling me and just reminding me that it, I was put here for, for this time and for this moment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, 514 forever changed the landscape mm -hmm. of our city in many ways. Um, so many people said couldn't happen in our city, not us. But we know that we talk about this all the time, the landscape of our city in terms of the racial divide, the segregation really caused that incident to happen. Right. So your first day you walk in um, and you're like, I'm here. What is the first thing you do? What's the first thing that goes through your mind? Oh, um, in terms of showing up on that that first day, it was a different time because so many people were deployed to do immediate response work. Um, and so I really had to quickly build relationships uh, within the hall uh, to figure out who key players were as best as I could with so many people being gone, responding to 514, um, and getting a, a sense of who I needed to be talking to both inside of City Hall and what relationships I needed to build outside. Because in a diversity role, I need to support my community like this is why I'm here I stayed in Buffalo to to have this impact um and so it was really important to get an idea of where I could be most impactful um and what relationships and how I could you know who I could connect with to to move things forward yeah you know absolutely um and so with everything that's going on in 514 can you explain now your role in terms of the response in terms of I know there's a fund that's out there as well um, what role does the city play in that, and what does that look like for our community members? Sure. Um, so there's a lot of ways that the the city has to support the work that's going forward. Um, when you think some of the more the more practical things that were going on in on Jefferson during that time, you know, the police department is deployed and fire and um, sanitation because, you know, there was all of the, the free giveaways and the tents and all kinds of activity um, happening. And I don't know that people um, can really appreciate how uh, city services are deployed um, above and beyond what they normally would do. And so 
supporting like the immediate functions during that time. Uh, in terms of some of the, the recovery piece, my particular role, uh, I serve on the steering committee for the National Compassion Fund, the 514 committee. And so the, the National Compassion Fund um, is an organization, a nonprofit organization that um, helps to distribute the funds and to design policy after mass casualties. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did things like the Pulse nightclub shooting. Mm-hmm. So essentially, um, when large donations come in, you don't want to just put the money in the middle of the street and mm-hmm. say, here you go. You kind of you need a way to distribute the funds to make sure that it really gets into the hands of the folks who need it most. And it's they, they call on a steering committee that's reflective of the community that they serve. And so various leaders throughout our city, um, folks from every racial demographic, all the major organizations, community representation, to sit down and look at policy and and make sure that we are approaching this in an equitable way to make sure that people who were most impacted by the the tragedy receive the funds. Um, So that is one Mm -hmm. role, one very important thing, too, because we know that the families, um, they need assistance. The the folks who were inside the tops need assistance. So I'm grateful and and humble to, to have that voice on that committee. Um, there's a lot of work when and other roles and departments in the city uh, that are developing relationships with the families and just being a, a support in that way. Uh, and then beyond that, making sure that resources get mm-hmm. to the communities that most need it. And I think sometimes people get confused thinking that the resources come directly from the city. Right. Um, but the city is able to be an advocate when state funding is coming down and federal Mm -hmm. funds come down to be a voice to advocate that resources go where it's most needed. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you for explaining that because I know there's probably a lot of confusion. You probably hear it all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, how are we serving the community? How are we going to continue to serve uh, the community as well? And the fact that we're sitting here in Beverly Gray, so many people have come back to the community and really understand and realize that Jefferson was a place, right, that was thriving and still will continue to thrive. We just need people to continue to invest in our communities and our kids and programming and all those different things, right? Um, But we know, again, the reason why, part of the reason why 514 happened was because of the um, segregation that exists within our community. So as Chief Diversity Officer, what does true diversity look like within our city? So, and I'm, I'm preaching to the choir when I talk to you, but we know that diversity, I like to describe it, diversity is what we can count, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's, it's quantifiable to some degree. It's all the ways in which we differ everywhere from race, gender, sexual orientation, disability, all the things. And, you know, I, I personally center my work on, on race equity, um, but in a, a chief diversity role, you have to really think broadly in terms of diversity, diversity of thought. Um, And so what that looks like in the city of Buffalo is ensuring that there's diversity throughout the city um, of every kind, not just racial diversity, but um, that we really um, highlight diversity of thought. And then not just in in terms of our our citizens and where folks live, but that we have diversity in our city workforce. Um, That is a really important thing. I'm proud to say, you know, that was one of the things that I noted walking into City Hall is that it is beautifully diverse, the workforce um, at every level of city government. And so that's what diversity looks like. Um, although my title is diversity only, we don't just stop at diversity, though. We we want to make sure that we're creating both inclusion and equity um, throughout the, the city, city services, the city workforce, and um, the offerings that we provide for our citizens. Yeah. 
No, you're absolutely right. And I think that um, when it comes to diversity of thought, but diversity of people, that's what makes, I think, Buffalo and West New York just so Mm -hmm. beautiful as a whole. And recently, I had the opportunity to participate in the Puerto Rican Hispanic Day Parade. And I know you were there as well. And just seeing that the way the community comes together from that to to Juneteenth, Pride Parade, so many different things. And I was uh, standing in Niagara Square thinking, man, so many things happen right here. From the flag raising to just... Just so many cultural events, and yeah. it's just it's so beautiful to see the fact that we can come together and have unity within our city. Absolutely. So what are some of the things that you enjoy as Chief Diversity Officer going to um, celebrating some of the activities? Like, what is the best thing about your job? Oh, that's so hard, because um, I, I, I was just having this conversation the other day. I feel like I get to participate in so many cool things that I would yeah. not have otherwise known about. Um what isn't the best thing? Um, you threw me with this one. I, so the, the Office of New Americans reports to my, my title or my office, and I really love getting to be a part of celebrations and functions with the immigrant and refugee community. Um, I've, I've always kind of had a, a more global mindset. Mm-hmm. And so to be exposed to different cultures and food and dance and fashion and just ways of being, I think that part is really cool because you, mm-hmm. you always learn. Um, yeah. So that's what I'm enjoying, but it's it's really hard to pick just one. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and it goes back to what you were saying, like why you landed back in this role when you were in college, you were able to travel and see so many different things, and the world goes beyond Western Europe, beyond Buffalo, and it's, that's really important uh, when it comes to diversity work. I remember myself, I, I mean, DEI has been around for a very long time, but it never was called DEI right? officially, right? right? So I think we've all been a part of it some way, somehow. And for me, that that moment is when I was able to go to Australia. And I remember mm. going to Perth, Australia, and meeting Aboriginal people there, right? And they were saying, oh, my gosh, my black people. And I'm like, oh, my God, we see each other. Right? Like, we right, see right. each other, right? But being able to just... Um, you know, walk with them among the bush and seeing how they live and eat and socialize and communicate is something for me that's that was life changing. And I think it's a moment where you're like, I'm born to do this. This is something like yes. we know it gets challenging, right? Yes. <laughs> like there's moments you wake up, you're like, why am I doing this? Oh my gosh. But we know that when you create something like a, a just having a beautiful city and when you create, um, you know, unity and community, that's how you ultimately thrive, Absolutely. right? And cool and, and I, we talk about that. Um, all the time. So, um, you know, we talk about obviously DEI on the surface, what it looks like, but how do you use evidence-based metrics to drive your practices and inform what you do? Sure. So aside from city work, my approach to diversity work, and you know this, um, is really how diversity, equity, and inclusion impacts the bottom line, right? Like we are, we're trained to approach it that way. We know that there are outcomes both on the workforce side and, you know, if it's a business on whatever product you're providing or whatever service you're providing for nonprofits, it's whatever the outcomes are for the lives that you're serving. Um, We know that when you create diverse and equitable and inclusive spaces, your business organization and now city, that's Mm -hmm. the place where people want to be. You can retain folks um, Mm -hmm. when it's a place where people feel welcomed and supported and that they have what they need to fully participate. Um, And so those are always benchmarks for me. Um, What are our outcomes that, that we're producing. And so, you know, in my previous work in the nonprofit sector, it was about outcomes, whether it was 
you know, recruitment, retention, and hiring. Um, I have to take that skill set in the city workforce. Um, and then thinking more broadly for our community at large, how are we making it a place where we can both identify and eliminate what people need to uh, succeed and participate. And so mm-hmm. uh, data is the way that we can do that. You know, you just, you follow the data. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a brilliant data collection team. And so we can um, analyze data by all the, the different demographics. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, you know, speaking of data, speaking of analyzing, um, you always have to be a, a continuous learner of this mm-hmm. work. It never stops. I mean, even, and we talked about this in previous seasons, about how when we first started season one, DEI, it was coming off of the brinks of the murder of George Floyd, and everyone was like, we need DEI, we need DEI. And so it was very, in my opinion, um, just beginner level 101, mm-hmm. like surface level training. Mm-hmm. But now, as we see, and I say this all the time, 514 with our litmus test. Like, did we really achieve what we are achieving what we think or we thought we were going to achieve, right? Um, but also, too, you have to continuously be a learner. You can't, can't keep being in your field and not understand yeah. where to go. So we know that recently you went back to school. Yes. Right? So tell us about that. What does that look like for you? What are you studying? Sure. Um, so I'm in my second year of my doctoral program at the University of Buffalo in the School of American and Africana Studies. Um, how did I end up there? Um so I've, I've done a lot of work in the health equity space, mm-hmm. um, serving on the African-American Health Equity Task Force. Um, and I think I initially started with some conversations with folks who served on the Health Equity Task Force mm-hmm. and are also faculty at the university and started having conversations about what potential programs look like. And so I dabbled um, in some of the graduate level courses in the, the School of Public Health, mm-hmm. and I did a, a health equity micro-credential Mm-hmm. Um, and although I'm, I'm still very passionate about health, health equity, um, I understood that my, my interests were a bit broader than just focusing on health equity. Um, I think that's a very important piece, but you can't get to health equity without addressing all the other social determinants. Um, and so I just saw it as an opportunity to kind of think about cultural things more broadly. Um, I had more questions than I had answers, mm-hmm. questions that led to more questions, um, and so just through research and conversation, I, I found my home at the School of Africana and American Studies. The, yes. the rest is history. The so I'm really is... excited. So let me ask you, where do you find time? <laughs> um, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was just having this conversation the other day. I'm just really intentional about mm-hmm. how I spend my time. Um, this is a learned skill. So mm-hmm. I say a lot of no um, if it's not related to my my son to my full-time job to working on research mm-hmm. you know I or, or taking care of myself like yes. it's you just have to learn how to to say no and yes. I live by my calendar and you know I have to schedule my friends a month or two out sometimes yeah. and that's just get it done but yeah. it's for the work so I appreciate you saying that too about like scheduling sometimes friends a month or two out I feel guilty sometimes when I say that like Hey, get at me next month, yeah, right? I stop but feeling don't. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I feel so. We talk about this all the time, right. like who and I, or even just you know, um, friends on the side. We talk about just balancing and what does that look like? Because being in the DEI field, of course, is very hard, right? Because mm-hmm. you're also trying to better someone else's life while sometimes being affected by some of the practices and policies that's out there as right. well. 
Um, so having that balancing act with a family and just taking care of you and self-care and self-love, yes. right, is, is definitely a priority. So what does self-care and self-love look like for you? Oh, it looks like so many things. It looks like scheduling a do-nothing day. Like me and my son, we like it's time. We got to, we need to do nothing day, and so uh-huh. we will put it on the calendar, and we will do nothing but whatever we want. Yeah, Eat snacks and like <laughs> binge stuff. Um, the self care it looks like making sure I'm moving and yes. like working out. Um, it looks like I'm scheduling time to laugh. Um, so if it's a comedy show or watching like goofy stuff on TikTok, yes. Um, it's a number of things. It goes well beyond, as you know, like the massages and the facials mm-hmm. and all that. I'm, I have to keep my nails done and stuff because <laughs> I'm in the public eye. But that, I, I would prefer not to. Right, dude. Like that stuff makes me anxious. Um, so you know, it's just doing things that give me joy and love bring it. me peace. Absolutely yeah. love it. Love it. So we're sitting in the Beverly Gray. Yeah. Exchange, the exchange, the exchange at, at Beverly, Beverly Gray, Gray. Mm-hmm. yes, and uh, it's grand opening, re-grand opening was last week, and some of us were able to um, come and just enjoy the community, enjoy mm-hmm. the wonderful artists that were here this past month. We were able to get some gems from some uh, business owners, black-owned business owners, um, and Jamil Cruz, our producer was also one of the um, panelists as well dropping some gems and some yeah. bombs i wish we had what do you got? Burr, 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 burr. yeah <laughs> right um but dropping some 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 great gems there um but being here and being able to be in the studio and a part of the community right next to uh tops as well offer of jefferson what does that mean to you especially now as chief diversity officer oh um so it means a couple of things. I know that uh, one of our boss ladies, Deputy Mayor Crystal Rodriguez Dabney, um, played a really essential role in the opening of the Beverly Gray, the exchange at Beverly Gray. Um, and I, I admire her work so much as being the inaugural chief diversity mm-hmm. officer. So it's an honor to be in a space where, you know, she she laid the foundation. Um, but it really takes on a personal meaning. Um, last week, I had the pleasure of bringing my son back to the space. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, he's a he's a creative slash techie. Um, and so to allow him to see these black creatives that are earning mm-hmm. by way of their gifts and their skills, um, he's he has a new interest in photography. He's really actually very skilled, right? Um, and he decided that he wants to start a photography business. Mm-hmm. And so I introduced him to Derek Parson, the mm-hmm. executive director here. I call him DAP. <laughs> um, I introduced him to DAP. Uh, and he told him he had to pitch him his idea. So he wanted to talk to Mr. Parson and tell him um, what his business plans were for his mm-hmm. photography business. And uh, Derek had the opportunity to really just pour into him for about five minutes um, and give him some feedback yeah. and they're going to connect. And then he had a chance to meet with another young man who was also a photographer and learn tips and like look at his work. And so to have the opportunity for my son to engage with black men mm-hmm. who are making a difference in that way and for him to leave and he's like, he took out his phone and putting in notes. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm writing down Mr. Parson's name. Oh, I don't want to so- forget it. And he <laughs> He was like taking notes and he's couldn't wait to talk to him again. Um, 
And so that's what that means for mm-hmm. me. It, this is legacy work here. Mm-hmm. Um, every business that comes through here or potential business has the opportunity to lay a foundation for their whole family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for my son to come in and be inspired by the work, it doesn't get any better yes. than that. So. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So pouring back into the community, but also to just having your family be a part of yes. this is amazing. It's amazing. It is. And that just gave me chills because uh-huh. that's why this building is here, yep. right? It is. It's our building is everyone's building and so um definitely if you not, have not had a chance to check out the exchange at beverly gray definitely do so there's some um, amazing people who work here building businesses every day um, for legacy and that generational yes. wealth as well co-working so, space co-working like how space? cool is that right. and it's like it's not some janky co-working <laughs> right. space like right. it's a really dope co-working space right. so I'm I'm excited like I know. if I worked remotely this is where I would be I always so. say when I walk in here right it feels like family and I'm always getting fed I don't know why every it's time I walk food. it's always full it's here always it's like food. it's like a big black family why yeah not? um but you know that is that's awesome so um the last thing that we always say is we always ask our guests to give us a gem of the day yeah right something to leave the people um typically we talk about self-care leave with a quote whatever the case may be but what gem do you want to leave the people today <sighs> that was, i struggle with this question because I, I feel like i've picked up so many gems along the way i'm gonna leave you with the gem that stuck with me from our very own miss crystal people stokes yes uh when i first started within that first week she introduced herself to me and she just poured into me so much and really encouraged me her parting words was let's do the work And I was just like, that was so powerful. It was so simple, but it was like, yes, like, yes, let's do this work. And so that is the gem. Like, it's not about, you know, this position has a lot of um, notoriety and it gets a lot of attention, but ultimately it's about doing the work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for folks who are in the DEI space, that's who's listening, I would imagine, um, let's do the work. Yes, let's do the work collectively and as a yes, community. And the time is now. Yes, right. Absolutely. Oh, so much energy behind it. So absolutely. Let's do it. Yeah. So thank you for coming today. Thanks for having me. Of course, this has been a great conversation. Thank we you. also ask our listeners as well, uh, where can the people find you if they want to get in contact oh, with you? Yeah. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Yes. Chantel Thompson. Um, you can also find me on Instagram. Complete your day with Shay. Uh, Facebook is for my friends. So yes, just, yep, just LinkedIn, leave it there. Yep. Instagram. Yeah. Yes. So thank you, Chantel Thompson from the City of Buffalo, Chief Diversity Officer, for coming, giving us some beautiful gems of the day, but also to just giving us a little bit more insight into your role, your job, um, understanding that obviously you jumped right in, but you're ready to do the work as yes. as we just talked about. So yeah. thank you for hopping on with us thank today. Thank you for having me. My yes. pleasure. All right. So that is season four. Uh, episode one and thank you for listening.